This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Good morning, fellow truth seekers, and welcome to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. This is episode number 91, entitled, Did Paul Think That the Risen Jesus Was a Heavenly Angel? And this will be part one of two. As always, the Biblical Unitarian Podcast is the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. Hopefully our podcast has helped you to have those very important conversations as the persons of God and Jesus are the two most important persons in the universe. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Dustin Smith. As always, I am your host. What is the nature of Jesus after his resurrection and exaltation within the theology of Paul? Yes, Jesus was highly exalted, according to Philippians 2.9. But did he get elevated to becoming one of the angels in heaven? Perhaps even an archangel? We have been exploring in our recent episodes whether the New Testament authors regarded Jesus Christ at any point in his existence to be a member of the heavenly court of angels. Our study thus far, having examined the four canonical gospels and the book of Acts, has concluded that Jesus was a human being who is distinguished from the heavenly angels whenever possible. This episode, and the one to follow, will turn our attention to the Apostle Paul and his theology of the risen Jesus. Was Jesus transformed into one of the angels of heaven after his resurrection, or does he maintain his humanity? Are the categories of heavenly angel and Jesus Christ blurred in the theology of Paul, or are they consistently distinguished? Did Jesus join the ranks of the host of heaven, or is he promoted above them? These are the sort of questions we will address in this episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Let's begin our survey of the theology of Paul. Our first point today, we'll be looking at the nature of Jesus' exaltation. And there is no better passage to look at within the writings of Paul than Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to start in verse 9. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Now this is a critically important passage within Paul's theology. It indicates that God exalted Jesus and shared with Jesus God's own name. The nature of the exaltation is that of a promotion, 
the reception of God's authoritative name and the attaining of the status of Lord of the world. We can see all three of those things within this short passage. Jesus is promoted. He is the recipient of the sharing of God's name, and he attains the status of the Lord of the world. But Paul does not indicate that this promotion is akin to a transformation into a different form of being, whether that be becoming God or becoming one of the heavenly angels. In other words, Jesus, who by the way is still his human name, was exalted, not transformed from the being of the human Messiah. Now the name that was given to Jesus was God's own name. We can see that God, according to Philippians 2.9, bestowed upon Jesus the name which is above every name. This is not the name of one of the angels, nor is it Michael the archangel's name. The fact that Yahweh, who is here God the Father, has shared his authoritative name with the risen Jesus attest to the height of the exaltation that Jesus has received. It's very important to note that Jesus received and has been the beneficiary of the sharing of God's name precisely as Jesus, the human Messiah. This passage indicates that the name that Jesus received is above every name. And this indicates that Jesus has been exalted above all other names, excluding Yahweh, obviously. We don't get the impression that Jesus' exalted promotion brought him to the level of heavenly angels or even the archangels. Jesus is above every other name, acting as God's highly empowered right-hand man. So there's quite a lot we can get out of that passage in Philippians 2, 9 through 11. And I've spent quite a few episodes of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast looking at Philippians 2. I encourage you to go and check those episodes out if you are interested in a more detailed exegesis of the passage. Let's move along. We're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 4 through 6 as our next passage within the theology of Paul. This passage reads, God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all the testimony given at the proper time. That's 1 Timothy 2 verses 4 through 6. Now, this passage is a good summary statement of the theology of Paul. The hierarchy of creation is clearly spelled out for anyone to read. At the top position is God. In second place is Jesus, who is defined as a human being. Then under those are the people, humanity. The exalted man, Christ Jesus, is above all men, but still below God. 
Jesus's exalted status has elevated him above every other human being, but it has not removed him from being a member of the human race. In other words, the exalted Jesus, according to Paul's theology, remains a human being and shows no sign of having been transformed into one of the heavenly angels. We might also point out that the reflexive pronoun in 2 verse 6, which says he himself, indicates that the one who formerly gave himself as a ransom for all is the very same person who is now regarded as the human mediator between God and humanity. This further strengthens the suggestion that Jesus, upon being raised and exalted, did not transform from one form of being to another. Since he is currently a human being, and that same person is the one who gave himself as a ransom. Jesus offered himself as a man, and he currently functions as a mediator as that very same man. Our second point today, we'll be looking at the first fruits of the resurrection, and we'll look at two passages that are intended to be read together in our particular study. We're going to be looking at Romans 8 and 1 Corinthians chapter 6. These might not be the initial places one would look to answer our question, but I assure you they will shed some interesting light regarding how Paul regards the nature of exaltation and glorification. Our first passage will be looking at Romans 8 verse 17, which says, And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. That's Romans 8, 17. Paul's theology regarding the redemption of humanity foresees a regaining of the status accorded to the primordial human king, Adam. Remember that Adam was put in charge over all of God's creation, according to Genesis 1, verses 27 through 28. Those who are the children of God, according to Romans 8.17, are heirs of the promised inheritance. In fact, we are fellow heirs with Christ, or the word in Greek could be translated as co-heirs. Jesus is an heir of God's promised glorification, and believers are to be as well says there that we may be glorified with him or co-glorified with Jesus. The glorification that is spoken of here in that we may be glorified with him refers to the resurrection from the dead. Of course, Christ has already been resurrected and glorified. And so the promise in Romans 8.17 is that if we suffer with him, we will also share in his glorification. And that passage leads us to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, where I'm going to read verses 2 through 3. Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? 
if the world is judged by you, are you not competent to constitute the smallest law courts? Do you not know that we will judge angels? That's 1 Corinthians 6, verse 2 through 3. So, when believers are glorified and exalted, they will judge angels. Yes, human beings, the faithful human beings, will one day be the judges of the heavenly angels. This indicates that human beings will at that time be elevated above the heavenly angels. Since this elevated position that will be given to faithful humanity is shared in the inheritance with Jesus Christ, with whom believers are co-heirs, it is logical to assume that Jesus also has been elevated above the heavenly angels. Put in a different way, it would be strange for believers to one day be judging heavenly angels if Jesus himself was a heavenly angel. The distinction between redeemed humanity and the angelic host remains throughout Paul's letters, both in regard to believers and in regard to the risen Jesus. So the point of that section is to indicate that the faithful who are going to be glorified with Jesus share in a glorified status on the day of judgment to where human believers are elevated to a position above the heavenly angels and will thereby judge those heavenly angels. So it's reasonable to conclude that Jesus, who is also a human being, is elevated above and distinguished from heavenly angels. Our third point today is just looking at the simple fact that Christ is differentiated from the angels within the theology of Paul. Let's look at this passage at the end of Romans 8, starting in verse 38. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's Romans 8, verses 38 through 39. Whenever Paul mentions angels with Jesus in a passage, and this is rare in and of itself, the typical practice is for Paul to distinguish the two. In this climactic section, at the end of Romans 8, Paul states that angels are unable to separate faithful believers from God's love that is in Christ. Other than stating that the Messiah Jesus is our Lord, there isn't much that could be gained from this passage regarding Jesus' identity. But what we can safely say is that the risen Lord still bears the human name Jesus and that he is distinguished from the angels. So Paul can mention angels and Jesus in the same passage, but he doesn't blur the two. He doesn't overlap the two. They seem to remain distinguished categories within Paul's mind. Let's look at another passage within the theology of Paul, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 21, which says, I solemnly charge you, 
in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the chosen angels. That again is 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 21. This passage distinguishes three categories. First category is the God, and there is a definite article there in the Greek. The second category is Christ Jesus, and the third category is the chosen or elect angels. The charge to Timothy is made in the presence of these many witnesses. But by mentioning them as such, we can see that Jesus is carefully distinguished from the chosen angels. This suggests that God, Jesus Christ, and the chosen angels remained distinguished categories within the theology of Paul. So, in conclusion, we have observed that the theology of the Apostle Paul concentrates much on the role and person of the resurrected and exalted Christ Jesus. Despite the fact that the Pauline letters are occasionally difficult to understand, there emerge some clear facts that offer answers to our inquiry regarding whether Jesus was regarded as a heavenly angel after his resurrection. First, we noted that Jesus was highly exalted and bestowed the name that is above every name. That name was God's own name that was shared with Jesus. So the exaltation promoted Jesus, but didn't transform the human Messiah into an angel or an archangel. In fact, receiving the name that is above all names indicates that Jesus has been elevated above all the angels. Functioning in this highly exalted position, Jesus is nevertheless a human being who mediates between God and humanity. Second, the nature of Jesus' glorification appears to be similar to the glorified position of rulership and judging that is promised to faithful Christians who are one day going to judge angels. Since Christians are going to judge angels, it makes sense that Jesus, too, is in a position elevated above angels. Lastly, on the few occasions that angels are mentioned, along with Jesus in the theology of Paul, the sense is that the two categories are distinguished from one another, and that Paul never intended on blurring those lines. It appears a rather safe conclusion to answer our original question, did Paul think that the risen Jesus was a heavenly angel, with a confident no. Jesus was indeed highly exalted, but this promotion has unambiguously elevated him above the angels while Jesus maintains his humanity. Our next episode will examine a few of the difficult passages within Paul that have been used to argue that Paul did indeed teach that Jesus was an angel, perhaps even an archangel. 
Be sure to subscribe so that you are notified when that episode and others are to be released. And if you'd like to support the Biblical Unitarian Podcast, please check out this episode's description for a PayPal link. Thank you so much for joining us at the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. My name is Dustin Smith. Until next time, please take care.